0: When the silver tray is polished and the cocktail napkins linen, when the waiter's wearing white gloves, you know it's Martini Time
1: with Brennan Schmidt. Welcome, and thank you for joining us for episode three of Martini Time. I'm Brennan Schmidt, today's host. Now, I just want to call out the fact that another week has passed, and that means that I've run out of my ration of olives unfortunately so uh alan you're just gonna have to bear with me uh no olives um so i i apologize profusely but you know times are tough well it's a tradition
0: it's a tradition on this program that we do raise our glasses and i am a a traditionalist but not a stickler i am not pedantic i'm not pedestrian i'm not picky so this is an old-fashioned glass full of ice with gin and with an olive and that's a perfectly acceptable way to drink a martini. Hmm. Very good. So now we've seen a couple of different types of martini glasses. Would you like to see other, another type of martini glass, or
1: would you like to see
0: my other martini glasses plural?
1: I I would love to see whatever you have on hand because uh, I'm I'm sure our viewers will be fascinated And, and just be mindful too that for, for the audio, uh, listeners here, we want to just describe what those glasses are like too.
0: well, we should really speak up for the audio only listeners so that they can see this once in in radio they uh, at the CBC afternoon show in Toronto, they lined up a magician for me now i you know I didn't know what on earth to do with a magician on radio, and another time they they had a regular feature with a photographer I mean this was Nuts, um, and I'm reminded of the great Garrett Morris uh, doing a, uh, signing in the in the small portion of the screen at the bottom. And it didn't actually on Saturday Night Live didn't actually involve signing. It involved Garrett Morris repeating what the other person had said in a loud voice. At any rate, the issue is martini glasses. I have other martini glasses to show you, and here they are. So. You can see a little bit of the lemon right here. You can see some of the uh, olive here and the classic shaped martini glass uh, and these are my martini glasses. I hope you like them.
1: Just how much time do you have on your hands these days?
0: well it's um it it, it is an issue. there's no question. Um, so uh, these are it's good that the martini time program exists because it's an outlet. For this sort of stuff. I did take those very martini glasses to the American bar at the Savoy Hotel in London, and in my, somewhere in my cloud or someplace, my Twitter feed, there is a picture of me in those glasses. Uh, the great uh, journalist Steve Pakin uh, took a picture of me with my TV glasses on. There's the little little antennae and all the little dials you can get different channels you know you can get wlpz plattsburgh north pole new york all those great stations um and uh he retweeted that my wife then retweeted this man is fixated with television so that's life however um that's not why you called we should go to our regular features here i've not heard from paul anka have you
1: i have not Okay,
0: well he's he we need a theme song and he'd be ideal, great songwriter. I have not heard from Ian Tyson. I mean, could be the cowboy hat. Maybe he couldn't see the program, I don't know. I have one other idea. Neil Young, and Neil Young did a tremendous version of uh Four Strong Winds by Ian Tyson. Now, folklore has it Mr. Young was either being strangled at the time of the recording or someone was standing on his foot. But notwithstanding that kind of, you know, high pitch sort of thing, you know, that Neil Young does, it was a great uh, version. And I think that uh, he should be brought in line. Um, the current events issue. Okay. Uh, it seems to me, I've often said, there may not actually be a country south of us. Uh, I know there are a lot of states and a lot of people, a lot of powerful people, huge economy, et cetera. But uh, the, for example, the Reconstruction amendments to the U.S. Constitution were not all ratified until I think up into the 70s, uh, the 1970s. That's a hundred years later. Uh, some of the governors uh, uh, vetoed the ratification. Some ratifications were rescinded, and some rescindings were rescinded, re-rescinded, whatever the term is. So it's it's an an interesting thing to hear. President Cuomo talking about how uh, he needs certain things when he has control over uh, the National Guard. I don't know how the Army Corps of Engineers got into the Javits Center to make uh, hospital beds because they're, that, those are regular forces and the um, national government in the U.S. can't deploy regular forces in different states. So not sure how that's working. I point out for those who are watching the news that if california illinois and new york were countries they'd probably qualify to be in the g20 if not the g7 nothing was stopping a governor from stockpiling supplies including ventilators nothing was stopping a mayor from stockpiling these things we forget in canada we have weak mayors they get one vote that's about it at council they can you know decide who gets to go to a conference in florida in, in january but American mayors have a constitution and are operate within a state's rights uh, regime. Not all of them have constitutions, but many of them do. So this sort of blaming other levels of government and so on is a bit uh, over the top in my view. However, I do predict America is going to get through it. Those are my current events. Um, public service announcements. Uh, wash your hands. Absolutely. Oh, and what does the future hold? Well, I don't know whether you ever saw James Burke and the BBC TV series Connections. Um, Really interesting uh, renaissance man, uh, interested in everything, erudite, panoptic, you know, kind of like you. And he was predicting some years ago that eventually tourism wouldn't involve, involve people going anywhere. Why would you go somewhere? What you can do is pull up on your wall using some sort of a gizmo uh, the scenes of whatever you want to see at a virtual reality experience with those people uh, that food in that culture in that language and you mentioned 3d printing last week um, you know you, you 3d print a tremendous uh, risotto from milano and go to it or a wonderful meal from uh, jimmy's in hong kong i never understood why anyone would go all the way to hong kong and have a a steak at jimmy's but anyway that's what uh, my client made me do so you know that may be where we go and this may hasten it but it's just speculation
1: well and and you mentioned uh jimmy's and instantly i think of uh, jimmy's coffee uh in in toronto which is one of my most favorite spots to uh to check out and ever since last episode episode two where where you mentioned uh Kobe uh all I can think of is Kobe beef Mm. and
0: uh... I've got to tell you I don't like Kobe beef I got taken to a great you and I have been to a great steakhouse in in Toronto a couple of times but I was taken one place and I was someone's guest and uh, the object of the exercise was to you know run up a big bill and have a good time so uh, everybody went into it eyes wide open First of all, I did not have a martini to begin with. I didn't want to shock the taste buds. So I had an excellent bottle of wine and I had Kobe beef. I didn't like it too fat, too much fat. So I brought it home, um, we brought, you know, 90% of it home. My wife tried it. She didn't like it. I took it to my karate sensei, who of course likes all things Japanese. And he ended up eating it and finding that it was, it was great. But that's one thing I, I did,
1: didn't dig. Interesting. Well, it, it's definitely on, on my list and I'm looking forward to uh, being out of quarantine so that I can finally try that out because that, that would certainly be uh, be on the top of the list. All I can do right now is just take a look at pictures on Instagram. So speaking of tourism and pictures... Uh, we're probably going to see a huge surge in uh, the amount of productions that that are going to be coming out here in in the coming weeks, uh, trying to kind of repatriate people back into the whole uh, tourism uh, scene. So, what's what's your view in terms of what what that might actually shake out to look like?
0: Well, I mean, if if you're lucky, I I have had a trip to. Um... Uh, Saskatchewan, that was uh, postponed because of this event. So, we migrated a lot of the work to video conferencing, and uh, that's good. That gets something done. We can read, we can talk, we can react and write memos, and, and so lots being done. But if the trip is reinstated, I might hesitate to fly. I've taken the train many times and thoroughly enjoyed it. Taking the train all the way to Vancouver a couple of times, taking it to Melville, taking it to Saskatoon. Edmonton, Winnipeg, great trips. Uh, and, you know, some wealthy Americans buy that rolling stock and refurbish it and call it the city of New Orleans or uh, the, uh, what was that, uh, the the chief, the, uh, the Zephyr, the California Zephyr, the something or other chief, I forget what it was. But that was the way to travel. When you read Ronald Reagan's biography, visual aid here, Ronald Reagan's biography, he spent a lot of time on those trains, writing speeches, making speeches. Uh, Eisenhower campaigned by train, Richard Nixon uh, did. So anyway, the train is a wonderful part of our history. Our Canadian rolling stock from the early to mid and even late 50s is of a vintage that is absolutely uh, exquisite and, and thought well of in America and that, you know, curlicue stair up into the stairs, pairs uh, set of stairs up into the, um, it's easy for me to say, cheers, uh, up into the dome car and the, the bar car at the back, which is kind of a bullet. I mean, it's just fantastic. But what I think I would do is get myself, um, maybe not even a roomette, but a full room. I, I'm usually in a berth and that's just fine. I've uh, been in a room before, and I would probably keep the darn door closed, and and you know only come out for for uh, for drinks or take my own drinks. I think I'd travel differently, is uh, is what I'm saying.
1: I guess here's a question now too. Now that we've become accustomed to enhanced cleaning standards, is is that going to be the norm going forward? Is that going to be an expectation of of people that uh, well, the surfaces will be clean?
0: and about time, wouldn't you say? About time. I mean, to get somewhat serious um, at martini time, the, as serious as you can get, cleanliness is its own reward uh, in, in in food preparation, in food safety. This, uh, this wacko idea of having exotic animals to be imported either as pets or as some sort of strange delicacy based on you know, uh, supposition, or uh, what would you call it, just based on a weird idea of what it's going to do for you, Uh, this is really dangerous. I mean, it is enormously dangerous, the migration of these diseases from animals to humans, and that's the problem with with this one. Um, 5,000 Americans die from food poisoning. Uh, a year, often misdiagnosed as the flu or just old age. We don't really know. We haven't been keeping accurate statistics. Um, if you have a, a dishwasher, you many, many of the, um, you know, people who are fortunate enough like me to have a, a housekeeper, uh, we we have to admonish the housekeeper. No, don't just wash up those few dishes and put them away. We have a dishwasher for a purpose. My mother used to do this. Uh, wouldn't use the dishwasher, oh, well, it's only a couple of things. Yes, but you put those couple of things in the dishwasher until the dishwasher is full and then it is washed with less water than you would if you were using a hand technique, doing it by hand, less water, less soap, hot water, disinfected. We gotta you know, get serious about that. We have to get serious in restaurants uh, as well. We should have much more strict standards as I think it's fair to say they do in Japan, uh, and we have to have strict standards on, on food. We're cramming our food full of high fructose uh, corn syrup. Sorry, corn growers, uh, you know, I've lived a lot of my life in rural areas like, like and, and near farming communities like you are. I know Regina is the big city, but there are farming communities nearby. Sorry, but just because that's the easiest, cheapest crop to grow, and you can't sell enough corn, is no reason to grind it up into corn syrup and put it in absolutely everything we eat and get uh, a, an epidemic of obesity and uh, diabetes and what have you. So cleanliness and um, proper food uh, and nutrition are their own rewards. If we, if we had been fixated on this cleanliness after SARS or after the 68 Hong Kong flu, or after the scare about swine flu, uh, we wouldn't be in the pickle that we're in right now. Bill Clinton put money into into food safety. If we'd have kept that, redoubled it, we wouldn't be in that situation. So long-winded way of saying, yes, I think there is going to be a long-term and positive
1: effect of this. Well, and it just so happens that behind me, I have uh, one of your works, Safer Cities of the Future, uh, tell us a bit about what you've discovered in your research uh, writing writing that work, and, and how can that inform what the future might entail kind of post-COVID-19?
0: Well, well it's funny. That one was taking a look at uh, design and materials, which um, urban planners don't usually look at, but that's what I wanted to look at. I was told this was really unusual, and I was also told that the convergence of urban planning Uh, in which there are urban emergency plans written, but the convergence of urban planning and crisis management was odd as well. And that was the precursor book to the one that you co-authored right there. So uh, hats off to you as well. I mean, one of the things I was saying is that um, materials can make us safer. You know, if you have a ramp like that, if you make it out of a particular surface that is a non-slip surface, You're doing a favor to the people with mobility challenges uh, to get up and down it safely. Uh, If you have uh, somehow invigorate the second and third floors uh, of our buildings, including with a monorail going into the third floor, and you say to the hotel or or the bank tower or whatever it is, by by the way, you're going to pay for this uh, uh, transit stop. Uh, they might well do that, and that is a is a great boon to them because it invigorates their third floor and it's pretty good for people with mobility challenges. Um, certain types of metal, and I think it's copper and I think it's um, sometimes types of steel have a tendency to to kill germs or not um, cause germs to adhere on them, and that's why the pole on the subway or the transit vehicle is is a little safer than we think so i think we should retrofit our cities in that way and that leads me just you know with my no synaptic barriers uh, <laughs> makes me think of the spending that we should be doing now you know that we, we we're trying to keep the economy going and in terms of tourism if i can't come to saskatchewan maybe i could buy some of that gin that's made in saskatchewan and have it shipped here or i could buy the gin made on the on the uh, acadian peninsula in New Brunswick or the crystal that's made in Halifax you know that's a different type of tourism I stay put and bring stuff to me but that's you know a legitimate kind of tourism the other uh, thing is what what do we spend on now one little idea is we suffer a lot of flooding in this country I mean 60 percent of the Fraser Valley was underwater in the 50s I think it was Toronto keeps flooding the Regina cyclone Uh, Regina has floods, and you talk about Wascana Creek, and they've been, you know, berms built and this that, and the other. But there is a type of asphalt that can absorb uh, hundreds of gallons of water immediately. You can go on YouTube and take a look at it. Now is the time to repave some of our streets and parking lots with this kind of material. Now is the time to take a honeycomb, uh, how would I the honeycomb I don't know I can't do a honeycomb um, paving tile and you can plant slow-growing ivy in it and that is greenery it's oxygenating it's also a hard surface you can drive on very difficult to walk on for some people you know high heels cowboy boots what have you but that should be there because a lot of uh, our landscaping is mud a lot of the year especially in my neighborhood it's crazy um, The other uh, thing might be getting rid of small engines. They amount to about 20% of urban air pollution. They are very damaging. They are blowing toxic material all over the place. The same uh, landscapers who handle my building handle the building across the street, and these people end up blowing dusts of garbage at each other because they don't want to rake the cigarette butts out of the Uh, grass. Well, okay, I understand that, but let's say we banned it. No lawnmowers, no whippersniffers, no hedge clippers, uh, no leaf blowers, and we used manual labor to rake out those areas. It would probably take not much longer, and it would be way safer, and we would not be potentially spreading an H1N1 virus. sars virus we could be spreading goodness knows what with animal feces with chemicals and so on those are things that we could address right now it would be public work spending it would stimulate the economy and
1: have a lasting benefit so that's a question then so i see a lot of cities that are that are just completely empty there are no and by that, I mean that, that there's no vehicles. So wouldn't now be the opportunity to start paving those roads with exactly the materials that you said, or trying to roll out some sort of a pilot project to see if, if that can be kind of mitigated in some, in some way. Like there must be a way of turning this into a positive.
0: Absolutely, positively and definitely. And there is a, uh, an Industry Canada study that proves exactly what you and I and everybody watching has always suspected. You pave the road and that accidentally crushes some water pipes below it and those pipes leak and erode the road and you have to dig up the pipes, replace the pipes, repave the road. But that may have changed the water table and then you do it again. The life expectancy of the water pipes, the sewer pipes, the conduit for telecommunications and the road surface are all different lifespans. So if you don't plan it correctly, you are digging up a perfectly good road in order to repair uh, a, a, a vitreous clay water pipe in in older parts of the continent, or a plastic pipe that is crushed, and you're digging up that roadway ten years before its life expectancy uh, has come to fruition. So if you could just coordinate all the repairs at the right time. You'd save 25% of public works budgets, according to industry, Canada, I believe it is. So that's number one, we have the time and energy. We have engineers at home. Um, uh, and I've, I've spoken to some of the water people around here and they are at home trying to keep things going uh, where they are. Now is the time to do that study and say, okay, what are the roads that and we can coordinate and everything gets prepared at the same time. We're not disrupting traffic. I mean, it's a nightmare some of the uh, traffic disruptions. So absolutely positively, this is just normal maintenance. Nothing, you know, from uh, nothing futuristic, but it is normal maintenance. It could be done now at a tremendous savings and last for twenty-five years.
1: So it kind of sounds like if if we rethink and reframe this this, and and we don't want to make light of of the situation at hand here, the the global pandemic we've we've seen. What havoc it it's, it's wreaked upon people in the form of of death through to uh, job loss and 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 it will continue to to unfold here. But if we were to kind of take a silver lining from this, it sounds to me from from what you said that we can probably shift our thinking and say, okay, we're spending a lot of money." But at the same time, if we think about allocative efficiency and roadways not being used right now because everybody's at home, now is the time to save a tremendous amount of dollars in order to maybe make it so that we don't have to end up paying as much in future. future. Is, is that an accurate way of framing it?
0: Well, yes, please. And I I was going to say a couple of things. You talk about rethinking um, that presupposes that there has actually been some thinking in the past, and I would challenge that uh, supposition. So we do need to think about what is going to last. Um, Secondly, um, with, with no disrespect for the people who build the roadways or do this other type of work, what we did in 2008 is just figure out a way to spend money as quickly as possible. And those cars that were subsidized in 2008 have rusted out by now. Let's face it, the many of the roadways need resurfacing. Um, a good surface of the road can last up to 40 years, but if you have bad material underneath and it caves in a bit in the roads and what have you, you know, you get 15 years out of it uh, and you're, repa- you're repaving. So, what I think we need to do now is say what is going to last, something like. High speed rail, uh, mass transit, uh, even twin tracking the existing railway lines in our country, let alone America, because the freight uh, lines are, are really at capacity. And that's why a passenger train has to go on the siding and, and wait for a freight train to go by. If we could even drive at 80 miles an hour, which is a normal speed uh, on rail, all the way across the country, we'd cut out a couple of days of, of the travel time. And that would be a lasting benefit to the country. Um, The containerization of things was a great uh, innovation where that container can go on a ship, on a truck, on a train. That's where the heavy haul stuff should be uh, moving. And perhaps uh, the Teamsters in in America, Teamsters, I think, have more union members uh, than all union members of any union combined in Canada. So they're a very powerful union and do a lot of good work. Uh, But they could uh, perhaps organize railway workers as well. And that's where heavy goods should be moved across the country is on the railroads. So if if we could rethink some of this, it would be great. And if we did stuff that lasted a long time would be great. And if we did stuff that improved human health, such as cleanliness, and the banning of uh, leaf blowers and that sort of thing, I think that would be great, too.
1: Mm-hmm. it definitely sounds like there's there's a lot of conversations to be had here in uh in the days and weeks following what uh what what we're discovering is is changing every single day here um from the perspective of covid-19 um but i guess uh as we kind of wrap up this this edition here what what would be some kind of uh words that you would share with our with our viewers that uh would would kind of give them a sense of, of what they could be uh, expecting for our next episode here. What uh, would we have in the works?
0: Well, I mean, w- one thing would be the uh, advice that we all sort of say, gee, uh, when I get the time, I'm going to X. You know, I want to read John le Carre and I want to uh, uh, get more into uh, power lifting and bench pressing. I, I've always done aerobic stuff, but it's a different type of exercise for me. Uh, there's a, there's a, a, an academic article I want to write. Uh, there is some uh, epidemiology work uh, with Johns Hopkins I want to do and try to make a contribution to how people think about um, uh, human health. Uh, so I think now's the time to do that. You know, uh, you know I, I can get around to it now because we are es- essentially shut in. So I would say do that for for your own productivity and, and for your mental health. I think we are just days away from the peak of this in, in New York, which is a bellwether uh, area. And we will see if there are enough ventilators, enough temporary hospital beds, enough workers, uh, enough workers who are working safely with their own masks and shields and gowns and what have you. So I I think, uh, these few days, either side of this, uh, coming episode are going to be very important.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, thank you again for your time and to our listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in and for supporting the show. Again, if you don't have any sponsors that would like to sponsor our show, we will always, uh, always say yes. Of course, uh, that we, we do want to make sure that, that we, uh, filter our sponsors. And by that we mean uh, if if you have any sort of liquidity, um, let's say we'll we'll certainly be accepting of those um, but before others. But then again, we don't we don't discriminate.
0: And remember, it's through viewers like you that we bring you these high quality discussions every week. And for everyone who orders one of these Cyber City safe books, we'll actually send you the book.
1: And we might even throw a recording in or something like that. And uh, in in lieu of an actual signed copy, well, I shouldn't say that. We can sign the copy, but uh, we can maybe record a quick video or or something to that effect just to give that extra value because uh, we're all about value.
0: And I'm just checking uh, mentally. I'm checking inventory. I think I have plenty of eight by 10 glossy headshots so we can include one of those as
1: well. Indeed we can. Well, until next time.
0: Bye-bye. Bye. Until next week, we'll be polishing the silver tray, laundering the linen, and ordering extra white gloves for martini time.